Welcome to the Global Fluency Podcast. This is a space we've created to explore the components of diversity, inclusion, and cultural competency. Cultural competency. And all of the ways in which these components present themselves in our professional and personal lives. Be it language, culture, socioeconomic class, gender, race, ability level, age, or so many other identifiers. Everything begins with a conversation. conversation. Join us in this space where we seek to empower, educate, and uplift by creating authentic conversations on issues that affect us every day in every way. We look forward to you joining us in our discussions with everyone from thought leaders, diversity and inclusion strategists, students to CEOs in the corporate, education, and nonprofit sectors. Let's discuss how we can better understand differences and leverage commonalities. Let's do away with political correctness, explore ideation, build community, and create allies. Let's start an authentic conversation. This is the Global Fluency Podcast, and this is Bertine Crevacore West. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Global Fluency Podcast. My name is Bertine Crevacore West, and I am delighted to be your host. Today, I have with me a very special guest and dear friend, Sorel Kitan. Sorel, can you say hi to our listeners, please? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. It's a pleasure to be with you on the Global Fluency Podcast. And tell us, where are you joining us from today? I am sitting in Snellville, Georgia. Excellent. A suburb of Atlanta, and it's cold outside. Yes, it is. Here. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're delighted to have you here with us. And I'm going to tell our listeners a little bit about you. So everybody, Sorel is a business and project management consultant with more than 30 years of experience in the industry. He designs, plans, and implements large-scale information technology, utility infrastructure, and product development programs. Sorel is the founder and CEO of Executive Inc., a consulting practice designed to empower CEOs, entrepreneurs, and owners of small to mid-sized businesses. Clients of ExecuFit discover the hidden barriers to high performance, create a shared plan to build and sustain an environment for high performance, and practice the discipline of executing that plan. They win and celebrate high performance as a way of life. Sorrell is also the co-founder and president of QM3 Utility Services, Inc. Since 2005, under his leadership, QM3 has developed and deployed processes and systems and manage millions of field assets for utilities across the Southeast. QM3 employs a diverse workforce of over 50 employees and currently serves clients in the states of Georgia, Virginia, and Tennessee. As a subject matter expert, Sorrell is a business and project management consultant, instructor, coach, mentor, and soon-to-be author, I might add. His methods are designed to align teams and increase organizational productivity through the definition and implementation of organizational management, project management, and product development processes. He's held numerous positions within Bell South Corporation. As the Director of New Product Development Product Management Office, he designed, implemented, and managed the office. He created and implemented the project management method and training curriculum. He also provided project and program management support in addition to coaching and mentoring. He serves his community also as the president of the Georgia Haitian American Chamber of Commerce and a board director at Haiti Outreach. He earned his MBA from Nova Southern University. So shout out to all of our listeners in Florida who go to Nova and a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from BS, whoops, the degree is BSEE 
from the University of Florida. Also, shout out to those listening from the University of Florida. He's a certified project management professional and a member of the Project Management Institute. Sorrell has been married to his best friend, business partner, and collaborator, Mrs. Susan Kitha, for more than 30 years. They're the proud parents of Marlon, Marcus, Marcel, and Tamika. They are also the proud great-grandparents. Grandparents, I, I boosted you another generation, Sorrell. <laughs> They're also the proud grandparents of Marion, Madison, and Sky. And as Sorrell says, they live right here in Metro Atlanta and have been doing so for more than 20 years. So Sorrell, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Global Fluency Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's, uh, it's more than a pleasure. It's, uh, it's really the opportunity of a lifetime to join you on your podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And I have to say, uh, the very first time I met you, um, was so long ago when I went to a meeting of the Georgia Haitian American Chamber of Commerce, and I was so impressed by how the meeting ran and how and the the organization itself. I didn't even know it existed until a friend mentioned it to me, and I was like, "This is awesome!" <laughs> so I, I, I know so- you know uh, as we collaborate going forward, I'm going to have to learn to to create the space where the Georgia Haitian American Chamber of Commerce is not such a secret in our own yeah. community. <laughs> it's like, what do you really? mean you don't it know about nothing. the chamber? <laughs> yeah. and, and now that I do know, I'm just like, okay, I need to get back in touch with that. So it was serendipitous that we met so much time thereafter, right? And I want to talk to you, of course, about you know the daily huddle and everything that you're involved and engaged with, because really and truly, I asked myself, A, how do you find the time? But then you answered that when you sent me your bio, you are married to a very, a very good best friend and business partner. So I'm assuming that also helps you with that time. <laughs> so, so Ralph, I want to start off by just jumping in and asking you to tell me a bit about your training, your background in your company, something that, that our listeners haven't heard um, from your bio. So tell us something that, what is the secret sauce that has led you to being who you are today? Uh, The secret sauce actually came in 1999. See, prior to 1999, I would say I was just like uh, everyone who wants to be successful in life. Working hard, doing all the right things, finding a wall on which to place the corporate ladder, and getting busy to climbing it. As a matter of fact, I had been busy climbing that wall for now uh, 14 years in 1999, right? Mm -hmm. So what is not in my bio is actually what had me take the ladder off the wall. Uh Uh-oh. I I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) And and stop the climb. Mm -hmm. See, I, I... I had a three-day conversation, which I mentioned to you earlier. And during that three-day conversation called the Landmark Forum, I discovered that the climb was for nothing more than proving to myself that I was worthy in some way. So, you know, like the climb would never end. Because I'd get up one rung and I'd look down and I'd look up and I'd go, oh, my God, I'm not there yet. And uh, I, I kept on climbing. So there is there, there is a certain amount of personal freedom professionally that just wasn't there. I was busy climbing as opposed to busy doing what, quote unquote, I was born to do. 
So here I was uh, in this conversation and discovered, oh my God, this has nothing to do with me living a fulfilled life. This is all to do with proving to myself and others that uh, I matter, that I'm smart enough. And all the while missing out on making the contribution that I want to make and thinking that the climb would get me to that end. So I took a, I took a major leap. Mm-hmm. I took the ladder off the wall. I left my job <laughs> and uh, went to work for a small consulting firm. And there I cut my teeth, like my real education as a professional, as a businessman, I would say didn't start then because you know what? Uh, I'm very grateful for everything that happened during those 14 years because during those 14 years, like literally, uh, you know that book that says, all I need to know I learned in kindergarten? (laughs) Yes, that is so true. (laughs) Those 14 years were kindergarten. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All I need to know I learned there. I am the expert project manager that I am. I am the person you can drop. You can drop me into a chaotic room and I will transform it into order. (laughs) And I am that uh, because of those 14 years. Hmm. So I'm not dissing the 14 years and I'm giving every bit of credit to that moment of transformation I experienced. Mm-hmm. in that conversation in 1999. Wow. So what uh, what the listeners don't hear and what people don't read in my bio is that I got to traffic in the world after that conversation as a human being, comfortable and at home in my skin as a human being, with all the frailties of a human being, with all of the innate, the, the innate, attributes of what it is to be a human being. You know, I want to look good. I have opinions that I think are the truth. I know, like, you know, like the way that it's innate in a human being to know that there's just enough accolades and acknowledgement to go around and I must compete and fight for it. <laughs> so when when I discovered that as innate traits of being a human being and stop beating myself up about it, um, my professional life took off, took off in the sense that I gave myself the permission to start a business. As an entrepreneur, that resonates deeply with me. Yeah. Like I gave myself the permission. Like I I literally had to give myself the permission. Sorrel, you're going to be fine. Right. Now you're not going to have a steady paycheck. Okay. But you know what? You're going to be fine. (laughs) But can I ask you, because I know what it felt like for me. So did it feel like that Thelma and Louise moment where you drove off the cliff, but were excited Uh, to do so? Is it it right or different? It felt like that and more. It was more like jumping out of a plane. Yeah. Knowing I have a parachute Mm -hmm. and I pull the ripcord and it doesn't open (laughs) just the right time. It's like, oh my God, this thing's not going to open. And then it does open up, right? So the first few years of being an entrepreneur literally feel that way. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's like uh, 
I've made the decision to leap out of the plane. <laughs> and others are looking Knowing I have a parachute. jumping out of a plane. What are you doing? <laughs> right? You know, it's like, this is a perfectly good plane. What are you doing jumping out? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a lot of my training that makes me the entrepreneur I am, the coach that I am today, is anchored in uh, my having found a way to deal with my own humanity. Because mostly prior to 1999, my life was all about fixing myself and making myself better and better and better so I can do the things I want to do. After 1999, I just said, oh, I guess I'm human. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? I don't have to be better. I'm, I'm gonna be this way, so I might as well do what I want to do. And, and it took a long time to be with the fact that that comes with the package as a human being. And, and I got to grow more and more confident as I took more actions inside of that space of just being a human being, living my life and doing what I really love to do. See, everything that just took me, I'm a visual learner. So in my mind, as you're speaking, I'm seeing the film of you going through all of these. I'm seeing you leaving the job, literally jumping out of the airplane, <laughs> why the parachute cord is not pulling out when you thought it would, right? But still knowing that you're going to land on your feet, yeah. right? And, yeah. and I want to paint another picture for you, right? Mm -hmm. So here I am sitting in the back of a Camry. It was cold outside. There's this little clubhouse on South Hairston Street Road in, uh, in DeKalb County here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. It's myself, my former business partner, and my wife. And we're sitting there dreaming up this first business. <laughs> you know, like Bill Gates had his garage. Yes, we have the back garage. <laughs> we, have, we have the backseat of a Camry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that company started. And, you know, like when I say everything I needed to know, I learned in kindergarten, those, that was the prior 14 years. Well, when I started that business, it was myself and two employees, two trucks. The business was integrated construction management. We worked as a subcontractor to build infrastructure for the watershed department of the city of Atlanta, DeKalb County and other counties. And uh, anything and everything that we needed to run the business, we didn't have. And even though I didn't have those things, which prior to 1999 would have stopped me, after that, I said, well, I'm, that's just what I don't have. And I'm starting a business and then I'll get those things. So uh, I get to live in life and I love living this way. As the person who takes the gun, shoots the bullet, and takes the target and runs and makes the target meet the bullet. Wow, that visual is fantastic because I, I understand that completely. Yeah. I always tell people, especially when they're starting out in business, I and I did this myself because I, I think... I think I heard Richard Branson say it one time and I was just like, and I heard him say it years after I had done it. So I'm thinking, oh, this is not novel. This is not new. 
but we never hear people say this, but I love your analogy about running with the target um, because it likens, I can liken it to what Richard Branson said. And he said, um, when you are presented with something and you don't know how to do it, say yes and then learn, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what moving that target is. And I've always, I always say yes. And then I go learn how to do it. <laughs> and yeah. then it's done. Right. And what I've done is then you've added a brand new skill. Right. And I really and and it seems honestly, it seems illogical, backward, bonkers, crazy, but it works. Right. And I think that makes for because in the green room, you and I were talking about, you know, um, what makes for, you know, a good leader. And I think this is one of those things. Right. When the leader leads, I always believe a leader should lead from within, not from the front, not from the back. Right. Not yeah. saying, okay, I'm going to take you here without looking at who they're taking and if that will serve their purposes, right? If that will benefit the group that they're taking or shouting from the back saying, all right, go this way, do that without having done it themselves, right? So I always try to be a leader that is proactive and futurist at the same time. And that is, I think, the leader that leads from the middle, right? Yeah. The one that says, I'm going to try this and hopefully it works. And if it does come with me, if it doesn't, let's learn together right? How to, how to be better next time. So I love that. I love that moving target analogy. I love that moving target analogy. So <laughs> let me ask you this then, Sorrel, because, because of all of your varied experiences, you know, with project management, with leadership, and, and because of the nature of this, this podcast, focusing on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, right? Tell me about what, tell me how your experiences with diversity and inclusion, or tell me rather how your experiences kind of ushered you into diversity, the diversity, inclusion, and um, equity sphere. Like what has your experience with diversity and inclusion been with relation to how you train, who you train, who you mentor, right? And the work that you do. Now we would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor. Westbridge Solutions is a professional training company focusing on diversity, inclusion, cultural competence, and soft skills trainings. Westbridge Solutions offers a variety of innovative training courses, both in-person and online, live and self-paced. Their clients include corporations, government organizations, healthcare organizations, the nonprofit sector, universities, and individuals such as yourself. Through their rigorous training programs, Trainees learn to understand differences, leverage commonalities, and achieve organizational, professional, and personal actualization. To learn more about Westbridge Solutions, please feel free to visit their website at www.westgrouptraining.com or follow them on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Westbridge Solutions, empowering professionals for success. Well, the, the work that I do currently is anchored in uh, a set of beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. There was a point in time when uh, I would be bashful about saying, this is what I stand for. This is what I believe. You're going to work with me. You're going to get a whole load of that. Right. So if you don't want a whole load of that, don't work with me. <laughs> right. Right. It's about goals, right? <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and those the set of core beliefs that I'm anchored in, it's not anchored in morality. It's anchored in this thing that I think is central mm -hmm. 
to diversity and inclusion. See, diversity and inclusion, I think, is something that had to be created to deal with something that is completely abnormal. You know, it's like, what do you mean uh, we need diversity and inclusion? See, diversity and inclusion, in my uh, view, anchored in my core beliefs, is an aberration, meaning that it is necessary when who I am is someone who relates to myself as an individual, separate from everybody else. And in that space of being separate, human beings, including myself, have a relationship to life and to one another, anchored in protecting me, the individual, naturally against others. So in this evolution of being a human being, living in a world where I have to protect my prosperity, I have to protect my access to power, I have to protect my prestige, my position, and my access to pleasure. My innate and my throne way of being is to protect all of that for me. And one of the ways to protect all of that for me is to exclude others. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So in dealing with diversity and inclusion, there is the opportunity to say, I'm going to be a good company. I'm going to be a good person. And I'm going to take actions that on the surface include others and create equity. However, that just be that. Actions and measures taken on the surface. So I, I want to read you the core beliefs that go behind that, right? Let's do it. <laughs> so uh, I believe that each of us is whole and perfect. Therefore, growth is natural and improvement unnecessary. I believe to value the present gives us the freedom of limitless wonder. I believe humans humanity, and life itself are magnificent just the way they are. I believe a vulnerable and caring leader is a courageous leader. Listen to this one. I believe achievements are temporary and finite. Success is perpetual and infinite. And last but not least, my life the way I run ExecuFit, the way I work with my clients, the way I approach diversity and inclusion is anchored in no one person is smarter than all of us. Oh, wow. You just blew me away with all of those gems. Only <laughs> the collective can reach unimagined potential. So anchored there and anchored in the fact that I know that myself and other human beings, given the way we evolved, are designed to protect power, possessions, prestige, pleasure, and position from one another. A prerequisite to dealing with including others demands an acknowledgement of my own tendency or even need to protect myself against others. So until organizations deal with that, 
uh, actions or measures put in place to include others. And you may you may actually be, be able to attest to that right now. You yeah. mentioned earlier that only 2% of women are X, only X percent of people of color are where. Uh, why is it that the good intentions so often spoken don't materialize in the lives of people and in the structures of corporations and institutions? I say it is because fundamentally we still live in a world where I am me, mm-hmm. you are you. And for me to survive, I've got to protect myself against you. Now, that might sound cliche, trite, but when if you give yourself the permission to look, you'll find that space where it's okay to stop improving others so that they'll find it in their hearts to include others. Wow. It's okay to stop improving myself so that I'll find it in my heart to include others. What's essential, however, is given that we give ourselves the permission to just be that way, yet knowing that we want to include others, then what's essential is for us to be seeking out the structures and policies in our institutions that do not promote inclusion, diversity, and equality, mm-hmm. and then work to supplant and replace those policies and structures so that the structures themselves demand inclusion, equality, and diversity. So uh, I, I tend to look at it, you know, like I flip it around, meaning it's not my uh, being a good person. It's right. not it's your not being not a good that. person that's mm-hmm. going to make diversity and inclusion and uh, equality stick. What's going to make it stick are the rules, the procedures, the, the you can hear the uh, engineer and the project manager come out of me. Yes, <laughs> put some rules in place. Yeah. Yes, create policies that promote what you want. Yes, create structures where you can hold yourself and others accountable for doing that and for fulfilling the intention. And, uh, and yes, you know what? As you're doing that, maybe you'll become a good person, but I don't care. Girl, <laughs> <laughs> you're always a breath of fresh air. I really love that. You, you said something that, that I profoundly do agree with. It's first starting to have an acknowledgement and awareness and an acknowledgement of who we are and why we feel the way we are, because that's going to lead us to doing the things that we should be doing, right? So essentially what I'm hearing is you're telling people, ourselves included, to hold the mirror up, look at ourselves in the mirror and say, why am I doing this, right? And clearly state why we're doing a particular thing, right? Within that DEI space, right? Or, or within our, because of our, our desire to want that, what are we doing that's actually counterintuitive, right? To what DEI represents. And sometimes the answer is not pretty, right? Sometimes the answer is ugly. Sometimes the answer is, I want to hold on to what I've got. Because, you know, I think people tend to think of it as zero-sum game. 
right? I if I give it to you, I lose that way. Right. We are wired that way, and there's nothing wrong with it. Right. But we have it to is. acknowledge it, right? Yes. When we acknowledge it, then we can start to take a step back. And and this I liken to um what I have written about insofar as um, doing an internal SWOT analysis, right? And so I know that resonates with the engineer in you. <laughs> so having an internal SWOT analysis, I think we don't do that enough. And I dare say we have to do it when we're feeling at our smallest, our lowest, because that's going to be that, that hard and cold reality check that we'll need. And sometimes you look at your obstacles and threats and they're actually internal as opposed to being external, right? And once we're able to get that under, once we're able to acknowledge that and see that, that also, I think, uh, tells us, at least in my, um, in my professional opinion, in my, in my just dealing with clients, in my, in my continuing to speak about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it shows us what our triggers are. So then we better know how to manage those triggers, right? We know when they're happening. And then we get to really uh, just evaluate why we're taking the actions that we're taking. Because yeah. I think once we know yeah. the why, like Simon Sinek said, know your why, right? And I'm taking his his know your why and I'm putting it into a DEI context. But once we know our why, we're then able to better formulate our how, right? That process that we need, yeah. right? And once we can formulate that, as you said, it's, I think a lot of what I happen to see, especially in light of just um, the racial turmoil that's been going on in the world, particularly in the United States, with um, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and I can name just a, a litany of names, right? Which is, one is too many. But what I've seen from a lot of people, companies and corporations who are well-intended is performative allyship. And that is not enough. That's wanting to be a good person. What we need is what I like to coin as active allyship. Um, I say that, you know, we need to understand why we're doing a certain thing. Who's it benefiting, right? Because anybody can put on Instagram, uh, a picture of a fist and say Black Lives Matter. But what is your company doing to actually ensure that you have policies in place that are going to acknowledge, A, the struggles of your employees who happen to be people of color, particularly Black people? And then what are we then going to do about that to ensure that that does not happen in the future? Or how do we mitigate all of that, right? And so we've moved then, you know, from, from me listening to what you said, from performative allyship to active allyship. And that, I honestly think, um, makes an organization, quite honestly, a better one to work at because employees show up feeling, yeah. they show up as their authentic selves because they're feeling valued. Exactly, exactly. Right? And, and, you know, there, there's, uh, I, I, you said you had a hard stop at 12. I do, but I am, I do want to continue this because you know, listeners, you someone will be back. You need to acknowledge somebody. Yes, I want you to do it. So the title of his book is rather in your face. And so I'm warning listeners right now, don't let the title of the book fool you. Ibram mm -hmm. X. Kendi yes. wrote a book entitled How to Be an Anti-Racist. Mm -hmm. And that book, I say, if it's not the primer for how to create diversity and inclusion and equality in our organizations and our institutions, uh, consider it one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's informative for me in this way. And uh, so thank you, Mr. Ibram X. Kendi, for giving me this way to speak. 
Mm-hmm. See, I'm a human being and I have my biases, both conscious and unconscious. That doesn't make me bad mm-hmm. and it doesn't make me racist. It just makes me human. So is everybody else. So as human beings with biases and a tendency to protect what's mine, I naturally gravitate to creating policies and structures that ensure that protection lasts a lifetime. Indeed. So to relegate the solution to the problem of diversity and inclusion to the individual is where I think we fail. Yeah. We tend to want to fix the individuals, but that's not going to happen. You're a human being. (laughs) That cup of coffee in your hand is yours. And if anybody tends to tries to grab that from you, guess what you're going to do? Not today, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Absolutely. So so to, to be in life, acknowledging that I have biases and both conscious and unconscious, and they don't make me bad and they don't make me racist, yet they create the space where I support and create myself racist structures and policies. Mm-hmm. That's where the journey begins. Yes, indeed. Then I can be in life as someone who's seeking out for both myself and the organizations I belong to, structures and policies that actually promote racist ideas, promote racist behaviors, promote racist consequences, shine a light on them, Mm-hmm. and then get to work creating structures, policies that promote anti-racist behaviors, anti-racist ideas, and anti-racist structures that are designed for equality, diversity, and inclusion to last a lifetime. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. And we couldn't have ended on a better note, quite honestly. That was fantastic, Terrell. Thank you for being on this show, sharing your perspective with our listeners, with myself, especially. I'm delighted to have you here as a colleague, as a friend. I just, I'm excited for what you share with the world. And having said that, share with us where we can find you, where we can contact you and your social media channels. Well, you want to contact me, it's at Sorel Ketan. That's S-A-U-R-E-L-Q-U-E-T-T-A-N, at Sorel Ketan on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. And if you really want to get in touch with me like right now, you can text my first name, S-A-U-R-E-L, to the number 21,000. Take your smartphone out and text Sorel to 21,000, and you'll get a link. You click on that link, and you're instantly connected. Fantastic, fantastic. So everyone... As you always know, this is your podcast. So we at Global Fluency always want to know what you think of our episodes, what you think of our amazing guests, and what topics you'd like to see us discuss on the Global Fluency podcast. So reach out to us, follow us on our social media channel. And I'm delighted to add that we are now on Patreon. And um, we are also, Global Fluency podcast used to only be under Westbridge Solutions on Instagram, but now we have evolved through that and we are now having our own Instagram at the Global Fluency Podcast. So follow us on Instagram at Global Fluency Podcast and stay tuned for more amazing episodes. Reach out to Sorrel. He is, this is just the tip of the iceberg of 
what he has to share and discuss with you because he, like I, believe that knowledge is transformational. So Sorel, on behalf of the Global Fluency Podcast, thank you so much for being our special guest today. This was the best conversation and I'm looking forward to having you back on the show soon. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for your hospitality. Have a fantastic day and uh, glorious holiday season. Thank you. And so everybody remember, it's time for us to always keep the conversation going. Until next time, I'm your host, Bertine Krebacore-West. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Global Fluency Podcast. Tune in every Tuesday of the month at 10 a.m. for our latest episode. Connect with us on our social media. You can find us on Facebook at Global Fluency Podcast and on Instagram at Westbridge Solutions, LLC. Global Fluency Podcast. Understanding differences. Leveraging commonalities. Let's keep the conversation going, going, going.